0: Hello, my name is Sherry McKay, I'm an assistant professor at the University of Iowa College of Nursing and I'm director of House Calls Faculty Practice. I'm really happy to be with you today to give this presentation on the home evaluation and prevention of falls. This is my disclosure statement. The purpose of this presentation is to give you an overview of client assessment in the home setting and a safety evaluation and recommendations for fall prevention in the home. By the end, you'll um, learn more about the Sure Steps Community Falls Prevention Project. Uh, This is a project that I'm very involved in with other community agencies and what I've pretty much based my presentation on, so you'll see how this goes. You will be able to look at some tools that I use, Uh, we'll discuss medications, and home safety features and recommendations that may assist in fall prevention in the home. I'm going to first talk about Sure Steps so you have a good sound basis of this program as my evaluation is based on this. Sure Steps is a community-wide collaboration on fall prevention. It's a project for Johnson County. We help prevent falls with Sure Steps by doing four things. By providing exercise, medication review, vision exams, and home safety exams and we believe everyone can do something to help prevent falls. It's a collaborative falls prevention program and it's focused on the home dwelling seniors in Johnson County. It's a two-year project and it's supported in part by a grant from the Wellmark Foundation. Why talk about falls and What happens with falls? By the numbers, I can tell you that in Johnson County um, and in Iowa, one out of three adults over 65 or older who fall each year have a problem. 83.7% of injury-related hospitalizations are caused by falls for people 65 and older in Johnson County. That's a pretty big percentage. The cost of hospitalization charges per visit for older Iowans is $10,000. The ranking of falls as the cost of injury-related deaths among older Iowans is second or third, depending on the reports. Increased likelihood of being admitted to a long-term care facility following a fall for Iowans 75 or older is four to five times. Falls are common and costly for older adults. A fall can lead to the loss of independence and decreased mobility for older adults. When a senior falls, the impact extends not only to the senior person, but to families, their employers, the healthcare system, and the community. Falls are not inevitable. They're not an inevitable part of growing older. There are steps that can be taken to reduce the risk of falling. You'll hear this a lot in this presentation. Four proven steps to prevent falls are exercise, medication review, vision exams, and home safety. So we will keep working on all four of these processes and talk about them more today. Who's participating in the Sure Steps program? Seniors uh, in Johnson County, family caregivers, Volunteers, students, neighbors, friends, advocates, and the whole community. All professional providers and policy makers are welcome to participate. Project outcomes, number one is to increase awareness. Number two is to expand the use of home and safety and personal risk assessments, which is part of the program I'm involved in. The third one is to motivate seniors to increase physical activity. And the fourth is to develop prevention training resources for care providers throughout the state of Iowa. The fifth is to strengthen transitional care coordination from acute care settings to community-based services. So this would mean from the hospital setting, from the nursing home setting, from the hospital to the nursing home setting, all transitional care. Client assessment and home safety evaluation is what I'm gonna spend the majority of my time on today. Our home is our palace. So no matter how it looks to anyone else, to me, To you, our home is our palace. So safety comes in different packages. Many times, individuals think, oh, if I have this $500,000 house and I have everything done for me by an interior decorator, I'll have a safe home. That can't be farther from the truth. So our goal is to give suggestions and assist in making the home setting safe, no matter how big or small no matter what your palace looks like. We use all our senses as we we proceed to visit individuals in the home setting. Now let's look a little bit at some pictures here, and uh, I'd like you to take a minute and tell me what's missing in this picture. It looks like a nice front porch uh, with some fairly good step risers here, but as you can see, There are no handrails, and many times this is the situation. And it is really important that we have handrails when at all possible on both sides to prevent falls. Exterior steps have to have secure handrails. In this instance, she does have a nice brick railing, but that railing does not really have a good um, place for her to get a hold of. And what would really be helpful in this situation would be if she did have a handrail that was right here that she could get a hold of. This is better than nothing, but that would even be better yet. Sidewalks and walking paths should be without cracks or buckles. This is the time of year that the city is coming around and looking at all of our sidewalks and putting little pink um, paint on them to let us know that the lip is too big and someone might fall so that we need to fix our sidewalks. And I was out walking my dog one day and did take a spill on the sidewalk uh, because there was a big lip. And I went back to look and yes, they are going to have to replace that. I'm very happy about that. So outside walkways without hoses, they shouldn't have hoses across them, uh, weeds or obstacles. And in the summer walkways need to be clear of water and debris and in the winter of ice. So I'm just going to give you a little overview of what we do in a home visit and then I'll go through it step by step and give you some tips. at the visit that we make, and it's either made by a House Calls nurse practitioner, which would be me or one of my colleagues, or a visiting nurse from the Visiting Nurse Association for um, the Sure Steps grant. So the first thing we do is we obtain a medical and falls history. We do a medication review in detail. And we complete physical examinations, including orthostatic blood pressures. And you remember that's taking the blood pressure lying, sitting, and standing, because we frequently have many times a big change uh, in our blood pressure that might make us dizzy and cause a fall. We'll do physical assessments on people, doing cognitive screenings, checking their um, mental status exam, vision screening depression screening, and very, very important, is a foot assessment. We're going to do functional assessments. We do the eight foot get up and go. We do the ABC balance confidence scale, because many seniors have a fear of falling. And this helps us to know where they're at at this time. Then we look at their activities of daily living, what they can or can't do for themselves and uh, their instrumental activities of daily living as well. We also will look at their feet and their footwear and do an assessment. Then comes an even bigger or equal part and that's the home safety review. So based on these findings, the nurse or nurse practitioner will determine the patient's needs and will schedule further testing if needed and If it's a VNA nurse or a nurse from um, House Calls, we may um, refer to another visit from House Calls or a specialized therapy that's needed. So the first instrument that I'm going to talk about today is an instrument that we find very helpful uh, that we decided to use. Uh, as we worked with the Visiting Nurse Association called the MINI-COG. And what that means is it's mini, it's small, we only have three questions we ask, and they all are based on a person's cognition. Many of you may be familiar with other cognitive tests that are done, such as the Mini Mental Status Exam and other tests that may be required um, by other agencies to be used. But this is the one that we decided on because it's three quick questions and it's uh, been proven uh, to be very accurate. So the first question that we ask the individual, and the other thing I really like about this is it's not only in English, but it's in Spanish. So the first thing we do is we instruct the patient to listen carefully and repeat the following, apple, then they say apple. Watch, they say watch. Penny, penny. So we look look to see and listen if they can repeat all three. Then we administer the clock drawing. I'm going to go forward a bit, and then we'll go back. So what they need to do is draw inside this circle the hours of a clock. As a child would draw them, place the hands on the clock to represent 45 minutes past 10 o'clock. Then we ask them the previous three words that we ask them to remember. At this point, we look at the scoring of the mini-cog. We look at the number of correct items recalled, and if they recalled, all three this is a negative screening and we can stop if they answer one or two then we go down look at the um, clock drawing to see is it is it normal or abnormal if no it's it's normal then it's a negative screen. If yes then the screen is positive for cognitive impairment So this is another way to look at the algorithm. And it tells you a little bit about it. Um, The MINI-COG uses three item recall test for memory and the uh, intuitive clock drawing test. The latter serves as an informative distractor, helping to clarify scores when the memory recall score is intermediate. So if we do the MINI-COG, they recall all three then we feel for this test at this time they don't have a problem with their cognition. If they recall one or two and their clock is abnormal, they may have a problem. So it's important. This is a screening test. This is a quick screening test that we do in the home setting. This does not take the place of them going to somewhere like... uh, the geriatric clinic, or possibly getting uh, neuropsych testing done. But this is a very quick test for us to tell if today, in the home setting, uh, the person that we're working with is doing well. The next one we do, and this may look very familiar to you, is the geriatric depression scale. And again, as we look at this We ask questions, um, I usually say um, I'm going to ask you these 15 questions. I want you to tell me how you felt in the last two weeks and answer me yes or no on how you felt in the last two weeks to a month. Are you basically satisfied with your life? Yes? No? Have you dropped many activities and interests? Do you feel your life is empty? Yes, no, and go on down to the end. Sometimes you have to redirect them. Sometimes you have to um, make sure that they quantify it as a yes or no answer. If the score is uh, five positive scores, that does suggest depression. The next thing we do is the Activity-Specific Balance Confidence, or the ABC. This is a self-administered, um, or it can be by telephone or by interview. We would do it by interview, but it can be given three ways. It has a larger type set, so it should be used um, if you use it for self-administration. There's a larger version. Regardless of the method of administration, each respondent should be queried concerning their understanding of instructions and probed regarding difficulty answering specific questions. In your um, instruction for the participant for each of the following, please indicate your level of confidence in doing the activity without losing your balance or becoming unsteady from choosing by choosing one of the answers from 0% to 100%. If you do not currently do the activity question, try and imagine how confident you would be if you did do the activity. If you normally use a walker or aid to do an activity or hold on to someone, rate yourself with confidence with that support. If you have any questions about answering any of these items, please ask me about it. So it's quite interesting because we all know that many people have fear of falling, especially after they have had a fall. So once you have administered this, you can look down below here at our scale. And if someone is, first we can look at the scoring, which is kind of uh, interesting that you just add up the score and if they had, uh, they could have zero to 1600 and then you divide it by the 16 questions, and that, that's how you come up with this percentage. If you get 80%, it's a high level of physical functioning, 50 to 80%, moderate level of physical functioning, less than 50%, you have a low level of physical functioning, and less than 67%, uh, older adults at risk for falling. So this is predictive of a future fall. So uh, it takes a little extra time, but it's really an excellent tool to use to quantify uh, falls. The next thing we do is called the eight-foot get-up and go test, and this uh, you might have—I'm sure you've heard of the get-up and go before. I remember Dr. Malhosing doing a presentation on this last year. So uh, the equipment that we use for this is we set up a chair that's approximately 17 inches high, and we usually put it against the wall or some firm object to prevent them from sliding backwards. Then um, the instructions here say to place a cone at the end, but we actually use a red ribbon that we put in front of the... um, the person out of there so they will not trip on it Um, but we put the red ribbon out for the eight feet have them sit in the chair Uh, we have a stopwatch available and many times nowadays on your phone you will have a stopwatch and make sure that they have clearance at the end of the ribbon so that they can walk around the ribbon so the patient is seated in the chair with his hands on the saw, on his thighs with his feet flat on the floor or hers. The patient's instructed that on the signal of go, they are to rise from the chair. Pushing off from their thighs or the chair is, is permitted. Walk as quickly as possible around the cone and return to the seated position. But not to run and uh, have a problem with falling. Following a demonstration, then the patient is allowed one practice trial, followed by two test trials. The scoring: uh, the clinician begins a timer when they say, when she says "go," when the go signal is given, and stops the time at exactly the instant the participant's buttocks gets contact with the chair. Note the scores of both test trials, one-tenth second yet the faster of the two times is recorded on the assessment form for eva- of evaluation. Results obtained with this test may be compared to age-related normative values listed in the senior, uh, senior Fitness Manual. So if you look at it down below, um, you will see that uh, the score of 8.5 seconds is associated with a high risk of falls in a community dwelling older adult. So down below you see these are the times that are expected for different age groups. An individual that's not going to have a uh, fall risk that is identified here is able to go at a pretty good clip. So the next thing I wanna talk about is when do your medications put you at risk? Well, all the time our medications are putting us at risk and we have to be very cognizant of what medications that we are on as individuals and what medication our patients are on. Uh, You had a uh, presentation by Dr. Jeff Reist, PharmD, Um, I think it's just been a couple, three weeks ago. And he went over uh, many things that he did and many types of medications that we look at. It is uh, important to remember that in the home setting, everyone is very different. I go into some homes and I find charts, uh, computer... Uh, charts. They have all their medications listed, uh, their medications set up, their children setting them up for them with uh, many reminders. Uh, I remember one time in the past I went into a setting and the lady opened the bottom drawer of her coffee table and there were just pills and pills and pills and she said, here they are, have at it. Uh, So you can go from one extreme to the other. Jeff has, uh, Dr. Reist has made a very nice, tool here for us to use in assessing if you are at risk for medication-related falls. And this tool may be used by the individuals or uh, by the healthcare provider as well, or together because it's an excellent tool. Because these days, uh, individuals that are taking medications, it's not unusual for them to be on 10 to 15 medications. So that's a very lot to remember. So the first ones, and this will be available on the website for you at a later date. The first medications here, um, that we're concerned about the number of medications you take, your risk of medications related to falls, that it may increase them. And what you can do about it is to ask your health care provider to review your medications uh, list with you, and get rid of the ones you don't need anymore. Certain medications are associated with falls, we all know that, and some medication used for the following conditions may have side effects which may increase your risk of medication-related falls. Many mental health-related medications do. Uh, Many pain-related medications do. Heart, stomach, bladder, uh, regularity-type medications. Cold and allergy medications, have I covered all of them? Not all of them, but most of them, have side effects that can cause uh, a risk for falls. So if we go on further, um, what can you do about this? We've talked about that. Um, Here are the different ones. Too numerous to mention today, but let's just quickly look at the different uh, groups of medications. These are mental health related ones. Uh, depression, uh, restlessness, anxiety, movement disorders, sleep medications, um, pain medications, and other sedation medications. It gives you an example here of all the different medications that uh, it's just an example. There are many more, of course, and some of the medications, what fall risk you might have, such as dizziness or sedation, or confusion, or a drop in your blood pressure. That's one that's very common. Um, And what to report to your healthcare provider. This is an excellent tool, and as I said, it will be on our website in the future. So a little more uh, mental health related medications, uh, those for thought disorder, manic depressive disorder, behavioral problems with dementia. And many of these I know you've heard of, or may be taking, and again it goes into the um, risks and what we should report. As well as the different categories of different names of examples of pain medications. And you can see they all have dizziness, confusion, pain, some of them have salt and body salt and imbalance. High blood pressure medications. Many of these also, and if you're taking two or three of them, uh, may work against each other. So it's very important that we go through these with each individual and make sure that they're not on medications that may be given from two different doctors and they didn't realize they were on another medication. So many people these days go to a specialist as well as a um, primary care uh, physician or family physician, and they may be on the same medications by a different name even. So that's really good for the two of us, myself and the patient, to go through these. Then we can go on to more heart-related, then we get into the stomach-related medications. Um, and many of these are even over-the-counter, sometidine, uh, Benadryl. Uh, many of these medications, scopolamine, you can buy, and then you may have a, be on a medication from your physician that may even make the risk bigger. And then cold and allergy medications. Many of these cause dizziness, blurred vision, racing heart, confusion, agitation. And they all work differently on different people. Um, I have some pain, uh, medications for cold and allergy that I just can't take because it makes my heart rate uh, go up. So we all are a little different in our makeup. So that is um, just a little... Highlighting of medication, and we do go through each of the patient's medications with them, go through their last list, and make recommendations on uh, times of day to take medications, uh, what, whether you should have eaten, should not have eaten. Then the next thing that we look at is vision. And with vision, we want to make sure their glasses are available, um, that they're clean, clean them for them. Uh, if they have contacts, that they are available um, and they have uh, replacements. We use the Schnellen eye chart, which is a very simple chart that uh, most of you have used in your doctor's offices. Uh, we just have a handheld one that we do do a simple uh, test to check their recent, uh, their vision and make sure if they haven't had a recent exam that um, they do get an exam. Uh, many disease process happen as we get older and may affect um, our risk of falling such as glaucoma and cataracts. Hearing assessment is very important because um, sometimes you might hear somebody coming. Uh, like a dog, uh, if, you, if your hearing is good uh, and other outside or uh, environmental things that might help to save you from a fall. Hearing aids, it's important and we always check to make sure hearing aids are working to look in the ear, make sure the ear isn't full of uh, wax or the hearing aid isn't full of wax and uh, clean that out if necessary. Activities of daily living and in, in, instrumental activities of daily living are very important, and many people ask uh, residents about this or right up front. I usually wait to do this until I've gone through their cognition, their depression, some of these things, so that I know where they're at um, when we're talking that day and how much they will be able to tell me. There are many excellent validated tools available. Many agencies are required to use a certain tool such as the OASIS that is required to be used by home health agencies. We've choose to use the Barthel Index. Uh, the reason we chose that one, it's very similar to all of the other ones. It goes through all the different groups of feeding, bathing, grooming, dressing, uh, bladder, bowel, toilet use. Um, so that we will be able to um, utilize this tool um, as we see patients coming from University Hospital. Um, They have uh, included this tool on um, some of their units as they are uh, working with their geriatric patients now as much as possible we try not to reinvent the wheel if someone in a setting uh, such as in the hospital setting um, in the office setting have done these tools recently we'll use the tool that we have available we don't have to do if they've had a mini mill status exam we're not going to do the Um, tool that we showed you earlier, because there would be no need if they had the same one done that day. So we want to conserve as much as possible on asking the resident questions and on um, agency uh, individuals that are asking the questions of the resident. Because it is very tiring to have many people ask you the same questions over and over. So the physical assessment is completed. Um, doing you know a total physical assessment from head to toe and then we get into the home safety evaluation and we're going to look at all areas of the home the bathroom the hallway the living areas kitchen stairway garage pets smoke alarms all these things and it's going to start from the minute we walk or drive into their driveway so that we can, like I said, eyes, ears, smell, all of our senses are being used. So let's start with the bathroom. That's a pretty important place to start. It is really important that grab bars are available. And this is a tool we use. And as you can see, we have the patient, the resident's name at the top, their address, the date we did it, and who did it. Did Sherry McKay do it? Did did Joyce Elan do it? And what their address and telephone number is. So in the bathroom, we're looking for many features. Are grab bars in the tub and shower available? Uh, I think last week you heard from someone saying yes, they should be available and they should have a sticky service to help you hang on to. Are non-slip mats or decals in the tub or shower? Um, is there a handheld shower available? Is shampoo and towels and everything available to be reached without um, turning required? And can they get in and uh, the shower without ease? Do they need a shower chair like you saw in last week's presentation? And are the floors staying dry? Um, then grab bars near the toilet. Um, this particular toilet is a higher toilet these days with uh, uh, universal housing. We are uh, frequently able in our home supply stores to buy higher uh, toilets as well as a little higher sink that will be um, useful. Is the night light available? And you see a night light in this setting here that uh, is available and you also see a non-skid rug available down here. I know the visiting nurses many times even take some uh, duct tape with them to tape some of these rugs down if they are unsafe. So what we do is we go over to this side and we do a little um, inventory form of things that they might want to consider as we're going from room to room. And we try to get a commitment from them. Will you do this, or can I talk to someone else about helping you do this, or a family member, or whatever. So, bedroom is a big place. Um, I use some dramatic pictures here, but it's kind of fun, and it does happen. It's very important that pathways in bedrooms are cleared to closets, uh, that your phone is within reach, and could be reached from the floor. Uh, A night light is in use that cords aren't in walkways. Um, I see a little cord right here. Um, There's a big uh, obstacle here, which is a dog. This bed happens to have the head up here, and this particular dog likes to sleep right there, so if this person gets out of bed, they could have a tumble over the dog and end up like this lady, and we hope that doesn't happen. Um, and this lady may not have ended up like that if she would have used the walker that was over here, possibly. So we got to make sure that throw rugs are flat, fastened down, that clothes and laundry are um, stored at an eye level, at the, within the hip to eye height level. Ear, nose and bedside camos are available, and again, do our um, assessment. Down here in all the hallways, we want to make sure that rugs don't have a little area here that are up so you could catch your toe on it, that they're well lighted, that you have um, a good uh, safety rail to hang on to, and that, again, rugs are um, not uh, available to slip on so that you can fall, that they are um, fastened to the floor. So living areas, it's very important that your living area is clear. Uh, One of the Sure Steps folks that went out to give a lecture just um, a few days ago said that uh, one of the individuals told her that these slippery pieces of paper here that you usually get as advertisements, the glossy ones, that she did have her paper down on the floor like this individual does. And she did slip on one of these papers and did take a fall. You want to keep footstools out of the way as well. As we go uh, to this uh, setting, this is a setting of someone that's doing some hoarding here, but it's amazing. Sometimes my dining room table comes close to this, Uh, but it is very important that we do have things put away and that things are accessible. And many times as we get older, we have a tendency not to put things away and we have a tendency sometimes to buy things and buy more and more things. And sometimes you may have even seen some shows that talk about people that are buying things on the internet. So it is important um, that we look at the palace and we help them clean up that palace so that they can stay there because our goal is to keep them in their home. Uh, This is another kind of crazy one, but uh, as you can see, this individual is in the kitchen, and she is not doing too well with having her kitchen uh, well organized. Um, The kitchen is a place where we want to take a peek in the refrigerator, look for spoiled food, look to see if there is even... um, food in the refrigerator, and to help that individual to get rid of clutter, to put commonly used things uh, at easy, at eye level, uh, that the floor is free of clutter, that there's no grease or food on the floor, and that the throw rugs aren't in the way. In this instance, it looks like this lady was in her kitchen and possibly could have fallen on these two rugs that are overlapping here. And she may not have have had the best um, assistive device to be using here. In this instance, it must have been a hot day like it was last week, and somebody has a fan on here, and the cord's going right across in front of the door. So there's another slip ha- hazard for you. And it's important to have light switches in the stairway. Again, we go in the stairway in every part of the house. that we have the handrails. It's well lit, and you have light switches at the top and bottom. We have had some individuals that don't have that and may walk down the stairs in the dark to get a light switch. And last week's uh, the occupational therapist uh, presentation, he did a wonderful job of showing us ways to um, use different uh, new things to be sure that Places are well lit and alarms are available to know when people are uh, in different parts of the house. So um, we also want to make sure that uh, the uh, floor covering is in good repair without frayed corners or rolled up ridges as we talked about and uh, that uh, stair treads are not slippery. And then, if we don't have a picture of a garage here, but what's important with the garage is to um, have a secure handrail going in and out of the garage, uh, good lighting from the house to the garage, and a pathway clear and not slippery. And many people have to have a ramp in the garage if they're in a wheelchair or using a walker. They talk here about increasing the wattage of fixtures if it's allowed, and that's very important That with the older folks that we be sure, such as myself, that we be sure that individuals are um, not putting high wattage in a lamp that is not made for that. Because I've seen uh, many lamps, I haven't seen them catch on fire, but I've seen them uh, that are a little charred on the lampshade that I've had to change light bulbs and many of these people the landlord needs to get involved. So um, this one I wanted to talk a little bit about pets and keeping pet and water dishes out of the pathway because that's one that people do trip on a lot. Pet toys Make sure you have adequate toileting arrangements for your dog. Uh, Last winter when we had all that snow, um, we had to shovel paths for our dogs. When I was working in the geriatric clinic, I had a lovely lady come in, and she had fallen and had many bruises. Luckily, she was very sore, but she hadn't broken anything. And her daughter uh, was having her um, driveway scooped. She was having her sidewalks taken care of. But her 93-year-old mother was going out and back in, in, in icy weather, and she was shoveling a place for her little toy dog to uh, eliminate. So you've got to think of all those things. Um, so it's very important that we do have pathways clear and that we have uh, adequate toileting arrangements for our pets uh, in summer and winter. So at the end of our um, assessment here, our home safety evaluation, we have a place for additional comments uh, what referrals we may be making. And uh, we do go over this evaluation with the individual and um, we do uh, have, have them sign it and hopefully get a commitment that they will do some of these things to make their home a safer place or will help them get the assistance they need to make it happen. So in the end, it really is putting it all together. What are our home safety evaluation recommendations? Uh, what are Sure Steps fall risk assessment recommendations? And we want to look at things like do they have emergency contacts and telephone numbers? Do they have a lifeline? Do they need a lifeline? Is that another thing we need to think about? And what rec- these recommendations that we're making, do we need to share them with their primary physician? their healthcare care provider, their nurse practitioner provider, their family members, um, their visiting nurse. Who do we need to share these recommendations with so that we can be sure and follow through and make sure that these things get done and we leave them in a safe environment. We also have a falls assessment tool that we use um, when we are at the uh, home, and uh, and this is our Sure Steps tool, and we look at these, everyone, their age, what their health condition is, have they had a fall in the last three months, is there a problem with incontinence, and many people fall trying to go to the bathroom or needing to urinate at night and may slip because they can't make it in time, and are there vision concerns, and now um, we look at what we can do to help, what things can we do, how can we tell them to make changes and circle these for them and discuss them with them so that we're giving them a double whammy here. Um, You know, when I was, um, even today when I see uh, people in the home or in the nursing home setting um, or when I saw them in the geriatric um, clinic setting, I frequently wrote prescriptions to have people learn how to fall. uh, Because that's very important and to learn how to get up. Because many people are left in their home and they can't get up and they may have further disease process happen because of that. Your risks in areas of medication, we go through the medication with them and show them which things they're at risk for, what they may be able to do about it. talk about blood sugars, uh, what they need to do to, um, things they can do to help the situation. And their impaired functional abilities, um, all the things that we've looked at. The foot problems, we check for um, the feeling in the foot as far as that's concerned, any sores they might have. Are they using proper footwear? Do we need to get that for them? What is their fear of falling? Many times people don't think of people having a fear of falling, but there's a great majority of the elderly that do. So we can do things, chair exercises, community exercises, Matter of Balance is an exercise class that looks at fear of falling and what we can do to help people not be afraid to exercise and how to get stronger and not be afraid of falling. So, Matter of Balance is an exercise class. Not only do they do some uh, simple exercises, but a big part of it is to look at what you think about falling, are you afraid of falling, and what we can do to make you change that attitude. Maybe they do need some different assistive device or a physical therapy appointment. Uh, we can check off these things for them. And then, pain is a big thing to think about. What pain, is it affecting the liver of your function? And uh, if pain was decreased, would you be able to move better? So it's important to talk about taking pain medications to be sure they talk with their healthcare provider about that. Um, Really that they use heat or cold therapy to help with pain control with joint pain, which so many uh, older individuals have, and other environmental hazards that may have been on their checklist. Other things uh, like low vitamin D level is something that's really important that we like to talk about as well. So um, for information on uh, the Sure Steps Project, um, you can call... Uh, Mary Willie at the Sure Steps Livable Community number at 319-930-2607. She is our coordinator. Or you can reach her uh, on email at org. And um, as I was doing my literature review, I had a couple of um, articles that I thought were really, really important. Um... And I would like to just review a couple of those uh, with you briefly. Um, As you look over my references, uh, one is um, from uh, Beard and All, and it's the Economic Analysis of a Community-Based Falls Prevention Program. And they found that the program was very highly cost effective. And their conclusion was that they suggested that well-designed community-based interventions targeting fall prevention are among among older people are highly cost effective and a wise investment for all levels of the government the models are conservative and are likely to even underestimate the real benefit of the intervention which may have lasted for some time beyond the life of the program. So it's really nice and refreshing to hear this as we embark on the Sure Steps program. Um, the other one was Bailey, by Bailey and All that we have listed here. Older Adults Fall in Technologies for Independent Living, a Life Space Approach. And this um, group worked with a small um, community group of eight community-dwelling older adults and they looked at fear of falling and they used diaries and daily activity logs and two-dimensional house plans and pedometers and different things to help the individual with a risky setting to uh, heighten their awareness of blind spots in their environment and use technological solutions uh, for everyday challenges uh, so that they had things installed that would help them uh, to reduce fall, falls and fears of, fear of falls. So that's also a good article you may want to look at. I would just like to say here that um, I can be reached. On my first slide, I did show you that um, the number for um, house calls is 319-248-1267. Um, and if you go through the uh, voice uh, mess- details. It'll tell you what number to push for me. And uh, the first number is for the house calls nurse practitioner and call. And uh, you can also reach me at sherry-mckay at uiowa.edu. Thank you very much for this opportunity to talk to you today um, about this very important subject. Thank you.